Welcome to Algo. A lot going on with Raj Ketcher. Joining me, as always, on the show is Vic and Alex. We're in full effect. Everyone's linked up over StreamYard, which we're just in love with. It's doing a good job with the show, aside from the fact that we haven't quite figured out which cameras to go to. But we covered a lot in today's episode. Uh, it was really a stellar episode for Alex because he joined us completely leathered out of his mind and spoke more than he spoke in all the other previous episodes put together. So you've got that to look forward to. What was your favorite subject, Alex? Um, I really enjoyed our conversation on the Zoom layoffs. I think a good conversation came out of it, and I really enjoyed that. So what I would recommend you do right now is if you're listening on the audio, press the backwards to 15 second button and just imagine Alex Leathered as he's saying that, trying his hardest to not persuade people that he's hammered. Because Alex, all the way through this episode, Alex spoke, and Alex spoke like he'd been pulled over by the cops. Like There's he was that. like, he spoke, he spoke in that exact tone of like the, the kind of voice that somebody uses when they're kind of like somewhat confused, but trying to be clear, uh, demonstrate, demonstrate that they're confused as to why they've been pulled over, but also demonstrate they're incredibly clear. So that was good. So yeah, we, we had a great chat about AI. Go ahead, Alex. <laughs> I was going to say, I plead the fifth. Yeah, I plead the fifth. Okay, so good. Uh, so we covered that. We also got into a lot of uh, a lot of other stories. Let's find out what Vic's favorite was. Yeah, I like the fact that we became the CEOs of Microsoft and planned out their whole AI journey for the next seven years. Um, but but on the on on the on a serious side, like we really like kind of came up with some good takes on what Microsoft could do with AI, and I think it's really interesting. I think people should really take note and uh, maybe see where they want to put their money. You know, not financial advice. Yeah, on both ends of the tech spectrum, we talked about Microsoft and Google booming as a result of AI and some COVID careers that were started a couple of years ago in places like Zoom. And now they're laying off 15% of their staff, which we're hearing stories about different tech companies doing that every single week. But what I would recommend is definitely listen to those two things, because the way that we frame what's happening with AI and the way that we frame what's happening with layoffs, honestly, if you just copy what we say, when you're at work, you'll sound incredibly smart. On top of that, we talk about movies making a comeback, including White Men Can't Jump. We also talk about uh, the Grammys. We get we, we got a whole bunch of ROI from the Grammys today. We talked about, of course, the Jay-Z performance, Harry Styles. Uh, what else did we get into on the Grammys? There was a lot of stuff, right? Beyonce. Yeah, some crazy Beyonce. numbers. Yeah. We left stuff out, actually. We didn't get into even Cardi B and all that beef backstage, but not to worry. Go find that out for yourself. And then we've got some incredible content recommendations, including one about our Gujarati brother, who all three of us decided we wanted to speak about, Nimesh Patel, on our favorite podcast. And then uh, speaking of Nimis, that's not the last one. We've got a birthday shout out, too. We'll break that down all coming up in the episode. Big edits to do. We're hoping we'll see this episode. We hope you'll see this episode before August. Alex going to have to edit it soon after he sobers up. Until then, Alex, Tomorrow morning. run the music. That's exactly what I was talking about. All right, let's get into it. First story, the Grammys. It's got to be the Grammys. It's got to be Hove, Hove but it wouldn't be appropriate to get straight into that story. So let's get into what we saw. Alex, I'm assuming you had no interest in seeing the full thing. Tell us about the clips that you saw, if any. Yeah, so... You are correct on that. I do not have an interest in viewing the Grammys as a whole video or, yeah, video. But um, I actually didn't see any clips of D. 
the show itself on my Instagram or TikTok as clips, which I do did find surprising because I did see an article that it was their highest viewership since 2020. So that was interesting. Why do you not want to see branded music content from the Grammys? I don't know. I just, I don't find it. Um, to be fair, I can't say I don't find it interesting because I didn't watch it. But I don't have an interest to just like look it up and do it myself either because like the marketing hasn't been pushed towards me to be to want to watch it. But I, I just ha- like it didn't even cross my mind to. Wow. So I think we've hit we've hit a base number then because the numbers have been going down steadily. And now there's been a little bit of a an increase. Mm-hmm. I think they programmed they, they seem to program the Grammys pretty well. But what we might what we might have now is a true real audience. So it's not it's never going to hit its glory days of peak Grammys, um, and it's it's going to scrape up a bit of attention here and there. But unless it can lock in like the next generation of people and groom them, then it's just it's it's not going to work out too well for the Grammys. And I'm quite shocked, man. I was hyped. Every everything I saw in there, I really liked. What have you seen, Vic? Right. Well, here's the thing. I, you you you've seen clips as well, right? You haven't sat down and watched the whole thing. So maybe that's an indication as well. I used to watch every award show. I was a big, you know, I love music, love films, love TV. I used to sit down and watch every single award show. I don't have the time to watch three and a half hours of a Grammy show. And it's kind of been on the decline, in my opinion, over the last few years anyway, in terms of its grandeur and the performances and the artists and everything. This year, however... If I could find three and a half hours, I think I would want to watch the whole thing from start to finish because it feels like, for me personally, there's a higher caliber of artist and a higher caliber of music and a much more diverse range of like nominations and winners that would in- interest me. And when I see a lot of these clips, obviously I watched, you know, the the, the Khaled um, closing out the show with Jay-Z, et cetera. I watched, um, you know, the, the the hip-hop performance. I saw a little bit of the Harry Styles one. I saw bits and pieces of, like, some of the crowd work that Trevor was doing, some bits and pieces of, like, people giving out awards. And I actually felt like, well, this is a pretty good show, you know? So if I had the time, I think I would watch the whole thing. But the challenge is, is that, you know, I don't have three and a half hours to watch the Grammys. And for the most part, the new audience that they're trying to get in, in, you know, into the Grammys. I like Alex and no offense, but you know, you're not going to sit there for three and a half hours. You're going to look at clips and frankly speaking, so am I. But... Oh, you just muted out Vic. You said, frankly speaking, uh, so am yeah. I, it sounds like. So his mic is out. As soon as his mic comes back, he'll let us know. But here's the thing. So you've, so Vic's seen some of it. I've seen some of it. You've seen none of it, Alex. Yeah. How about um, from a point of view of trying to get like any kind of any standout moments? Have you heard anything about anything? Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the clip I saw was um, actually the only one was the final closure of the Jay-Z song. The Did you Jay-Z. watch the whole thing? Yeah, yeah, I watched that whole thing because it was sent to the Algo group chat. Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. Eight yeah, minutes? I, I watched that. Yeah. Yeah, it was eight minutes. It's the whole song, yeah. Nice. Okay. That okay. Cool. And what do you reckon? I mean, to be fair, I don't know why seeing that clip didn't give me interest to watch other clips because it was outstanding. I mm-hmm. think like 
everything that had to do with the performance and all of that is a great, great performance and just show in general. They shut down a huge block of the LA streets to make that happen. I mean, so I think the rest yeah. of the rest of the Grammys was inside and it was, yeah. uh, this was, this was outside. Okay. With hose bit figured out, which we all enjoyed any other performances. I mean, for me, I got a chance to, I ran the YouTube video on Harry Styles album of the year. He performed his IG reels, TikTok sensation record. Um, as it was super good record, never heard it start to end, never realized how many great, like didn't realize how well written it was. Um, the stage performance was pretty good. It was a little bit like, it was a little bit like, you know, young drama type thing. You know what I mean? Like people walking in a group, then one girl breaks out and the, the stage itself is a small circular stage. Yes. So you know what happens is when they're both walking, they don't appear to be moving. And then when they do walk towards each other, it seems to happen quite rapid. So it was like there was a physical theater element of it, which was pretty dope. Um, he looked, he was definitely like blurring the lines with the way that he was dressed. He had like a top that came down the middle of his chest for some of the event. And then he was like wearing this kind of like Bigfoot, but like a silvery tinsel fall Bigfoot yeah. type outfit, which was um, kind of crazy. But to be fair, in the 70s, that's how like the Rod Stewart's and the Mick Jaggers and all those guys dressed. So he looks like he was kind of like, bringing in that kind of like classic rock star energy. But I will say this, and I was saying this just yesterday. I'm actually not mad at the dude at all because when he accepted his award, which we'll speak about in a second, but when he speaks, when he accepted his award, he's basically a northerner. I had no idea. So once I had his northern accent, I was like, oh, he's all right with me. Like, that's cool. But he did say this thing. He goes, things like this don't happen to guys like me. And that definitely got a few people on social media upset because they were like, what do you mean? Like guys like you, you mean like, rich white guys that have been like conditioned into the industry and are now on their second go round, having been in the biggest boy band in the world. Do you know what I mean? It's like the odds are kind of in your favor a little bit. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. He's, he's had, he's had a bumper year. Like, so, you know, it, it's, it's so funny cause uh, you know, he was part of one direction and as you quite rightly said, the biggest boy band and frankly speaking, you know, he's had all the success he was always a little bit kind of different to all the rest of them, but I always felt it was very, very performative. And I think in my opinion, also like almost like fake, like he was trying to put it on a bit too much. Like I need to be the rock star. I'd only part of the boy band that's been manufactured and all that. And as the years have gone on, I think he's kind of evolved into like a young Mick Jagger. And uh, I, I'll just say two things. One, I think he's actually had a really good year musically. And I think he's, music has stepped up it's not the kind of stuff that i would just sit there and listen to but his records as objective pop records are not bad at all yeah. Yeah. Um, but the other thing about the mick jagger comparison i think mick jagger was asked about this and uh mick jagger mick jagger basically just kind of gave him a little bit of sh like shine and he just said like you know i used to wear a lot more makeup than him um and he doesn't have a voice like mine he doesn't move on stage like i do He's kind of just like, a, I think the words were superficial rem resemblance of a younger me, which is fine. And he can't help that. So Mick, wait, Mick wait, 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 so just, just to clarify, shine or shade? Shade. Sorry. Shade. Did yeah. I say shine? Sorry. I a little bit two like high guys shade. on the podcast today. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. bit, bit of low key shade. So he's just basically saying, look, this guy's like a superficial resemblance of a younger him. And he goes that like, he can't help that. 
So he's just like, then that was it. He's kind of moved on from it. But he was basically saying, no, he's not a younger me. Don't get it twisted. I'm way more different. I'm much better. So that's quite funny. But, you know, objectively speaking, Harry Styles has got a lot of good pop records out in the last year. You know, he's had a, he's having a little moment. So. Nice. Okay, cool. Well, good job. Good job, him. Hove performance. Everyone's seen it. That's the one thing that is ubiquitous. You could yeah. effectively lose any career opportunities inside the CCA realm if you don't watch that performance. So I'm glad. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> so so, what, so what, what, what do you reckon? Alex, what do you reckon? Did you like I the record I've... before you saw the live performance? Were you already yeah, a fan yeah, of the yeah. record? Yeah, yeah, I knew the record. I thought, I thought it was an outstanding performance. I mean, they shut down the street. It was huge. Only concert outside for the Oscars, uh, mm. for the Grammys. Um, yeah, I thought overall amazing performance and really enjoyable to watch. Nice. Over to you, Vic. Thoughts? Yeah, so, yeah, great performance. I think probably performance of the night. Shut it down. They were all great. Like, you know, they were all great. Hove stole the show, as he always does. Hove had a had a very very different swagger to him in that performance. I think as confident as he always is, I felt like it was just like he had pushed it to like 11 or 12 rather than a 10. And I think maybe just because of like, you know, the the hip hop performance, like the hip hop 50 performance and the 50 years of hip hop performance, Beyonce breaking the record. And, you know, I think, I think he just kind of was feeling it. It just felt like he just gave it a little bit more in terms of the swagger and the confidence and that came through. Um, I think Khaled is, I didn't like Khaled too much. Khaled gets on my nerves a little bit sometimes. So I think, I think he overdid it, <laughs> but beyond that, yeah, it was a great performance. What can you say about it, man? It's, it's a good record and Hove was outstanding. Yeah, it was, it was really kind of programmed together really well. Like if you look at the, the core performance, there was a few standout markers for me. Number one, that obviously he had the other vocal artists at the table. So that was DJ Khaled, Rick Ross and Lil Wayne, but he also had OG one with him and Emery. Emery famously did a decade in jail uh, for some activities that relate to Jay-Z's old life. And OG one has been like a day one for a long time. So we're talking about like, you know, some of his real, real guys on that table of, I don't know, six, six people, including Hove. The fact that the table was stacked with like, you know, food, like a feast, like they're really, really eating much more like a like last supper kind of thing with Jay-Z in the middle, back to the whole Hove and God metaphor. And uh, I love the fact that there was his drinks on the table. So it was Ace of Spades and Duce. So yeah, I think Vic hit the nail on the head. Whereas Hip Hop 50 was excellent and we should get into that. The Hip Hop 50 performance was excellent. This was, Hove's bit was probably around half the length half the length of the Hip Hop 50 performance. Hip Hop 50 performance probably ran 12 to 16 minutes. I think Hose versus like six. So, uh-huh. you know, between a third to a half of what that performance was, all on Hove, all with his people around him, uh, his metaphors and his analogies all around him, decorated around him. I did expect when I watched it, though, I was hoping that if it was me and I'd program that bit, I think when he says, I think at some point it'd have been dope if at the end of the performance, 
he'd the table had been moved and all of the guys were taking a knee. I think that would have been dope. Like it'd have been a nice little reveal at the end, but that doesn't make sense when you've got John Legend taking it home. You know what I mean? Afterwards, like taking it to church. So it would have, you'd have ended on that high and then that natural come down in John Legend's vocal arrangement only to come back to these guys like on one knee. And that one knee thing might be a bit played out, but I just thought that it, for me, it felt a little bit long to be at the table, but I get it because you know, it was, it's, it's still super worked. Um, speaking of which the Beyonce thing, nice segue. Um, she took, she not only on that night equaled the record for most Grammys, but then she went above and beyond by how many, by, by one or by two. By one. So she's now the rec. She's like, she's the all time record holder by one clear whole Grammy. Yeah. 32, 32, right? That she's won 32 Grammys. The one previous to that was uh, George Salty at 31. Joel Salty is a uh, conductor and an orchestra oh. conductor. And then next in line is Quincy Jones at 28. Wow. So, so yeah. you know, pretty, pretty huge. Steve, Steve, Stevie Wonder's at 25. John Williams, the uh, film like score composer, is at 25 as well. Jay-Z's at 24. Kanye's at 24. So, you know, she's she's surpassed some real, real big hitters there. Um, but yeah, so she won the 32 Grammys and I think well-deserved, man. Well, well-deserved. But it was, but the the, al the album, uh, the one of her Grammys was for dance album, right? Electric and dance album. It's Did I get that right? Best Dance Electric Recording. And then she also won Best Dance and Electronic Music Album. Wow. That's it. It's yeah. good. Which I is mean... interesting. Which is interesting because it's a complete well it's a, it's a it's it's a different genre, right? Yeah. It's not R and B, it's not pop. True. It's like it's like a completely different genre. So it's quite it's quite interesting to see that she's broken the record with a genre that, you know, she's not been historically known for. Just you know to what say I mean, she, so she's also won, she also won best traditional R and B performance and best R and B song. At these Grammys. For Cuff It, for Cuff It, yeah. yeah. And Cuff It was on yeah, the yeah, album. Yeah, yeah, of course. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The album does get broadly, it gets broadly categorized as like a dance, electric music, Chicago house, like yeah. New York house yeah. scene kind of album. But there is, I mean, I, again, even it was only this year, I think, that I played that Cuff It record in full. It got nicely seeded mm. in the social networks. And I played it from start to end. And it's a long record, mind you, a very long record, but it's a good record. You know I mean? It's got elements of like, party and love on top it's got some of that in it and then to find out on the night that the dream i was expecting to be there the producer and or producer slash writer but see that now rogers was on the record and then i didn't get a chance to see the lower third credits but one of my one of my all-time favorite artists is on the record as well worked on the record rafael sadiq you saw that right vic yeah so i think um you know if i if i look at it, it's rafael sadiq and the and the dream and now rogers so Rafael Sadiq. Well, writing credits or production? Beyonce. Or yeah, I'm just reading up now. So the song was written and produced by Beyonce, Nova Wav, Morton Restop, Rafael Sadiq, and The Dream, with additional writing by Nile Rogers. Yeah. Wow. So so Rafael Sadiq's got, got a writing or a production or maybe a combination of the two. Uh I no, yeah, no songwriting and production credit. He's he's a beast, man, Rafael Sadiq. 
it's just like you didn't even know right it's like and and i just happened to catch it like a little glimpse of his name i was like what because i didn't know myself Mm. then had to google it and check but madness man speaking i didn't know blooper of the night has to be chris brown like losing his rag when the legend robert glasper like brilliant brilliant musician that's been relevant for a long long time involved in an insane amount of projects involved if i'm not mistaken on to pimp a mockingbird what was that kendrick album uh i think where there was heavily like jazz influenced i think robert glasper was was on that album as well a big driving force on that album if i'm not mistaken but chris brown basically once he realized that he hadn't won best r&b album and that robert glasper had posted on his social media who the f is robert glasper and then eventually had to end up having dming had to dm robert glasper and say hey listen like kind of overreacted but but man that could that could have gone a, a completely different way to for him to ask that question after the win is announced shows that effectively no neither him or anybody on his team when the category was announced bothered to take this name that they didn't know and do something about it it's kind of there's a there's a certain arrogance there and it's a shame because i feel like now heading into chris brown's maybe 20th year you'd really hope that he would like transition into something a little bit classy and a little bit more like sustainable brand wise not unlike what justin bieber's managed to do because we forget justin bieber was a total total write-off at one point so yeah an, an unnecessary mark against chris brown not as bad as his previous marks but he it was it was it wasn't it wasn't a good look so let's see what chris happens chris brown's record as well yeah chris brown still comes across like a kid to me you're right. I didn't even think about it. It is 20 years in, right? Roughly. And he still comes across like a young artist. And you're right. He needs to evolve into, you know, you know, Usher's involvement, Justin Timberlake, even Justin Bieber. All of these guys have kind of grown up and involved, right? And they were like, right, now we're in our 30s. Now we're in our 40s. Now, you know, whatever. And they're like, okay, now we need mm-hmm. to talk and sing and write about these things and act a certain way and even dress a certain way because people grow up. And he doesn't ever feel like he's grown up, ever. And he, this is a good marker of that because he's just ignorant, as you quite rightly say. You, someone yeah, in his position, sorry, sorry. Go ahead. Sorry, someone, just to interrupt, sorry. Someone in his position, the artist that he is, he's not a nobody. He's a well-decorated, you know, good artist that has been around for a long time. He's got great records. He's well-recognized. Forget like any kind of controversy around him. Just from a musical perspective, he's not, bad he's made very he's a very very good artist he himself should know who these people are you know he's not he shouldn't be ignorant to anyone that's come before him or frankly speaking his peers and his contemporaries and this is this is a yeah it's not it's not a good move i haven't even seen it i've just heard you talking about it raj i think it's whack (laughs) he just Mm. needs to grow up (laughs) all right well enough grammy's talk it was a a good old thing to check out i'm glad that I'm glad that it's uh, now over. I think America's now going to put its effort into effort and essentially into the Super Bowl this weekend, of which we really got no stripes whatsoever. Next up, Zoom has laid off 15% of its workforce. I feel like if there's been a few th- like through lines in the stuff that we've spoken about, um, it's been tech layoffs, Elon, Twitter, and a few other bits and pieces. But with regards to 
Zoom laying off 15% of its people. I actually, I did want to come up with a single position on all of these job losses that are happening in tech, of which they seem to be running in this kind of 15% mark, multiple thousands of people. I think what these employees now need to realize and what the whole industry in tech needs to come to terms with is the fact that a lot of these companies, almost without fail, from the largest to the newer funded ones, all hired super aggressively during COVID because there was tons and tons of money available, 0% interest rates. There was capital to put in places. People needed apps like Zoom. People did a lot more e-commerce because they were sat at home and the money was piling up, whether it would be through government giving them money, quantitative easing, spending going down because they're in lockdowns. And I kind of feel like saying that it was extreme circumstances that led to people being hired which was high growth requirements from HR departments. And those same extreme requirements are not sustainable in the long term. It's almost like crash dieting. They managed to get all this kind of growth and now it's the, the, the pounds are coming back on again. Do you know what I mean? So I think people need to realize that if you got hired in that time and it was an exceptional circumstance, an exceptional market circumstance, the market's now correcting. There's a strong amount of justice being handed out. And you're basically, your career is basically a COVID baby. Your career is something that happened directly as a result, or that hire is something that happened as a direct result of the amount of money that was moving through tech and the amount of jobs that are available and the way that consumers were behaving. And now, just like with a crash diet, quick results in, quick results in the opposite direction. So... That looks like the that looks like the truth for uh, for the tech industry for me. Any thoughts? Yeah, I think it's it's a really good analogy. The crash diet is a brilliant analogy. I think I think one one thing that or a couple of things that I have to like a couple of opinions that I have. Number one, if if this teaches anyone anything, is that maybe be wary of tech or finance companies that are going through aggressive growth funding and aggressive hiring. And really maybe look at, and, and, I'll, and I'll give you the reason for this in a second, but, and really like maybe assess what the company's plans are, because why are they going through this growth? Why are they going through this aggressive hiring period? Um, is it just because they've been given a bunch of money, they've been funded, and part of the remit of that funding is, you know, they've got to spend all the money, right? So part of that will go into innovation and to drive that innovation they need a workforce that is able to execute on that now what does that actually mean for someone that's going into that position so if they can you know sit down with the the hiring manager and go okay well what is the what is the plan how are we executing what's the resource you know what's the resource allocation do you really need all of these bodies you know really kind of interrogating it a little bit more you might be able to make an informed decision whereas what was happening for the most part is these these companies are going. Here's a here's a crap ton of money. Come and join the company. Here's a crap ton of benefits. Come and join the company. Here's a crap ton of flexibility. Come and join the company. And everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is my life set for the rest of my life. And here's a bunch of shares and all that kind of stuff. And they're like, we're set forever. And they can go and tell everyone. I yeah. work at Facebook. I work here. I work yeah. there. But if people aren't really interrogating what that growth is for and what the intention is and what's actually underlying it, 
then then there's some challenges and i and, I, and i've spoken to a few people i know not a lot so the the kind of sample size isn't huge but a few people i know that are in tech recruitment um that effectively say we get given so projects are given projects are mandated to the departments and i'm talking about non-critical projects we would like to try this we'd like to build that we'd like to test this whatever and those department heads of like the engineering teams and whatever go to hr go to talent acquisition and say we need 40 heads and they're like well that's obnoxious what do you need 40 heads for and no matter what the department heads win because they're like well we need 40 heads we've got the budget we need you know that's what we want so they go out and they recruit and they bring in and then like quite right like as you said raj is a crash diet and then everything just goes to pop because then all the non-essential goes <clears throat> and all the higher ticket earners go and that's that's kind of the unfortunate thing about that but i think for people that are going into these companies i would be more cautious and more interrogative interrogative of why that position is available for them have you seen this term i see individual contributors it's been used in a lot yeah. of articles and it was mentioned in the last episode of all in but now they're saying that you know they want to get rid of management they want to get rid of people that have just been basically they're just one in a chain of command of managers that they get their tasks they then delegate then the next people delegate their tasks and so on and so forth it's almost like it's almost like i would say that the the management structures that were created during the boom times of covid were almost like a ponzi scheme which is that they just stacked managers on top of managers on top of managers and then tasks would just trickle up and down and circulate inside these uh deep unnecessarily multi-layered multi-level management structures and then they've realized then that actually when you go from the top of an organization whether it be a vice president director whatever right down to the person doing the work, the person shipping code in the context of a tech company, how many layers and how many salary layers are we going through to get to the person that's actually going to ship the code? And in many cases, they found that if you take two or three of those layers out and then you multiply that across the number of times it's happening, you're looking at saving a bunch of money, which I think is the reason why these stocks have boosted up. They've boosted up because, not because sales are up, you know, advertising will continue to be constrained. The reality is you're now investing in a leaner business that's much easier to absorb, that, that's, that will be much more capable of absorbing downward market trends because they're not having to deal with downward market trends plus hemorrhaging cash. A lot of those cracks in the boat have been sealed up and it's going to give this ship a chance to sail again, would be my thoughts. You, you know, is it that that's a so you know why that kind of anecdotally the way that structure is put in place of like multi level managers and things like that? Number one, when they're hiring the individual contributors, let's take the coders, for example, the ones that actually write the code and build the, build the, you know, tech. There's only a certain amount of people that an individual can effectively manage, as in when I say manage, I mean directly manage, have like as direct reports. So then you have to split those teams up because there's only as it's, they can only be so effective in a certain size of team as well. So now each one of those individual teams needs individual managers and each one of those individual managers needs, you know, another set of managers. And that's kind of how it happens. But that's because they're hiring on mass. And then the other thing that there is, there's this um, kind of 
imbalance, I'd say, in job titles amongst tech companies. So when you see these larger tech companies, the job titles as you get, you know, higher up, you know, you have, you know, juniors and you have mid and then you have VP and you have SVP and you have SSVP and you have C-level. You know, you have all these like different kind of levels with all these like little job titles. So when someone comes in from, you know, a company and comes into from a bigger company to a smaller company, they don't want to downgrade their job title. So then that becomes mm. their job title in a new company, which means that they've got to have a certain amount of people underneath them. So that's how these sometimes all these teams and these structures get built in not just tech companies, but in, you know, larger companies. And I think that also causes a this kind of like like you quite rightly said, like a pyramid scheme of 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 managers and sub managers and, and juniors. Um which then makes a bloated workforce. So of course, who are you going to cut? The people that you don't need. And if the, the C-level or the CEO and the people that are running the business are smart, they'll look at that and go, okay, we don't need this section of people and that's what they've been doing. Hmm. Drone pilot Alex, are you ever going to find yourself in one of these situations? I just don't think you even, you don't even seem like you're even interested in getting involved in something like this. Um. No, I don't think so, and I hope not. Honestly, I, I I hope I'll find myself in different situations in the future. It's weird, you know. When we were growing up, the, every career was really exciting, like whether it be like pharmaceutical sales rep or working in like IT or anything. It was it was all exciting. It was all long term. I just I just I, I don't wonder because we've got we've got you on the show, but like, you, there's no stability post university. Like well, you, it's not know, as if you're yeah. going to finish university and be like, "Hey, you know what? Here's this is what the first five to six years of my career is going to look like." Unless you end up in like a Deloitte or a McKinsey or a whatever, like you know something which yeah. is really structured. But if it's kind of like if it's like mid-size or below or a kind of like you against the world kind of company, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more, a little bit more raggedy, man. That's very true. No, That's- no, from 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 that point of view, yeah. But I still think there's a lot of people who want to stick to like getting one job sticking to that one business right like that's not completely gone out of like adolescence Uh, at least i wouldn't think so Mm. but but i guess it depends also what you're what you're studying and things like that right yeah so you're at university so if you look at your kind of peer group you know you're doing uh like a media degree effectively right Mm -hmm. yeah that take it from me i did a music and a media degree and that's not going to give you one staple <laughs> job in in your field of choice, right? Yeah, that's yeah. actually that that leans you more towards like gig economy, entrepreneurship, freelancing, mm-hmm. you know that yeah. kind of thing. Yes, there are big agencies that you can work for and things like that. But if you look at your peer group, what you know, would you say that there's a number of people around you that are, you know, studying something that would lend itself to, you know, like a one company or you know, yeah, yeah. you know, one one straight line of a career type thing, whether that be you know, I don't know, economics or whatever degree. I think within my program, I'd say not as much just because I feel like media, like you said, you can go into a lot of different areas. But I think if you look at someone who's studying maybe different things like more business or if you're going into law, then I think that's more of a future where you look at maybe going into one business and like going up like that. And and do you think, do you think that, do you think people are worried like if they're looking at 
these kind of layoffs and I know it's happening mostly in tech and finance but do you think do you think like your your peers within your university that are doing that that are looking at you know one straight career in one kind of field are they are they kind of getting worried with everything that's happening with all the layoffs um that's actually a good question I haven't I haven't talked to um any of my friends about that specifically but I would assume maybe a little bit if you if you really are looking into what's going on right now but I think I think maybe I'd say most people my age maybe aren't really paying attention to everything that's going on so I think it's more of a like figure it out when it comes type situation and I I, mm. I think that happens maybe in like last year of university when you start looking for jobs and like you start looking at that industry a lot more it's kind of binary as well right because you start a young person goes in to the bottom of an organization as a doer right. so they're not the people that are being cut do you know what i mean the only thing that you could the only thing that would be a headwind would be if there's a hiring freeze period for the organization and they're doing it to stop the hemorrhaging of cash so something to look at but you know on, on that tech side as well there is some interesting news here as well. And this is one of those things where you're going to have to do your own research to figure out what the nuances or the differences are here. But as we know, uh, OpenAI has been doing its thing. Chat GPT 3.5 has become accessible to most people other than the odd uh, server issue here and there. And this week, Google has launched Bard and Microsoft has announced a new version of Bing. I think for the first time in almost 20 years when it comes to search, which is a absolute kind of like staple part of the internet for the first time ever, it's all up for grabs because how open AI approaches it could be completely different. Yeah, I'm ready. Google already has a huge business that's been shitting cash for decades and Microsoft, Microsoft really got something to prove this time around because Microsoft was was a darling company of the internet in the 90s and early 2000s. Then it completely fell on its ass and now it's come back again. So we've got three different kind of horses in this race. I mean, at this point, I think Ask Jeeves and Yahoo could show back up tomorrow as AI company <laughs> and, we'd, and we'd, we'd all have to pay attention. No, but tell, tell me I'm wrong. If tomorrow, Alex won't remember these search engines, but as 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 the whole, there was, you know, there's a time where there's lots of, social media networks, right? And then two or three became dominant ones. There was a time where there was multiple social, there was multiple search companies. So we had Alta Vista, Ask Jeeves and, and many others, but they could literally come back to today, like the Mecca and Peli Pele, like clothing revival. Like they'd be like, these, these guys could like Yahoo could come back and be like the champion hoodie of search yeah. and, be, and be relevant all over again. So it's something to, uh, something to, to look at. It'd be interesting to see how these guys battle it out. Yeah, what I would say is that Google's still got an edge because they own search, basically. And yeah. they've got DeepMind. So they're already well established in the AI world and they know they know that world really well. Um, but you know, Microsoft I know it fell off on the search side, but it's still and has been for many years, you know, battling as one of the most valuable companies in the world and that's really not fallen off for them so you're right i think it'd be very interesting to see how they do it the only thing i would say is that microsoft also owns linkedin right so could they then start implementing that into linkedin searches 
whether that be for um you know recruiters looking for people job searches sales um you know content that might go on linkedin i don't know how it's going to affect it but i think you might start seeing some convergence of their platforms that they own or the companies that they own and how they put it into there maybe search isn't the primary thing but they're coming out with search because it's a big headline and they know that google has their search thing i don't i don't know i don't know enough about it i'm just kind of speculating I'll tell you one thing in that, in that naive speculation, that's the take of the episode. I'll tell you why somebody messaged me today and they've been messaging me for a couple of weeks. They were like, they know this girl. Can you put her on? Can you put her on? And she wants to work for a particular organization. And I've got extremely high up relationships in that organization. They were like, can you put a word in? So I said, yeah, no problem. Send me a LinkedIn. I looked at a LinkedIn, no about section, no nothing. Now, typically what happens is if you're lucky, your company will pay for you to, or will pay somebody to help you kind of spruce up your LinkedIn, as long as it's kind of on the company message. But if LinkedIn has its own AI bot that goes through the now 850 million, by then probably a billion people and works with you to connect you to people on LinkedIn and works with you to take your bio and spruce it up and goes and gets the logos of all the universities you're at and makes your LinkedIn profile, LinkedIn plus AI, now we're talking about a global professional index mm-hmm. of everybody who works at every company in the world. It'll almost be like your intranet, but you can search every every position, every company. Then you know LinkedIn what, right? Premium becomes expensive, and LinkedIn Premium can funnel that capital into AI, which AI needs capital. Right. You know what? You know what would be really interesting. I don't know how if this is possible technically, but if LinkedIn started to leverage AI in the way that you just said. And let's say I want to reach out to 10 different, 10 different people. Um, but there's nuances, right? You know, the, the number one rule is personalize your messages. Don't just send out generic messages to the same people, you know, the same message yeah, to yeah. everyone. So what could, I don't know if this is possible, but could AI adapt your profile based on the person's profile that you're trying to reach out to? So could it personalize some of the about us section? Could it personalize some of the, you know, work experience or whatever it might be, or just show certain hobbies or interests or groups that you're involved in that might be the same as the other person, just show the relevant information or the most appropriate information um, so that when that person lands on that page, it's not lying. It's not like, you know, doing anything nefarious, but it's it's just tailoring the mm-hmm. the, the profile on a per person basis, but that's done through AI. Does that, yeah, I don't know if, I don't know if I can work technically, but that would be interesting. That'd be it, really cool. You know what? I think, I think what we've unlocked in today's episode is the strategic positioning of Microsoft when it comes to AI versus Google, because Google's Google is a business that has built itself on shortcuts, which is not don't search the whole web. We've indexed it. We'll go from the whole web, which is trillions of links to the 10 most relevant, which is the front page of Google once you do search. Yeah. What's interesting about Microsoft is you run the AI use case through LinkedIn and you come up with this very exciting scenario that we've just developed now. Imagine what that's like on GitHub when AI can code yeah. and you've got all this code on GitHub. So now you've got Microsoft Village One GitHub where AI is the best AI coder in the world. Then you've got the AI network on LinkedIn, which is the best connector of people 
and products and services in the world. And then you've got search. Mm-hmm. It looks pretty exciting to the point whereby yeah. I've actually gassed myself up. I think I'm going to have to pull out the uh, old app, you know what I mean? For like buying shares and that. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I think yeah, Microsoft, yeah. My, Microsoft's going to take this home. This is my take. <laughs> Microsoft's going to take it all the way home. I think I, 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 just, I, I just love that it's now going into more like b- before there's chat GPT. I mean, that caught like global headlines, but now it's, I just love that. Like Microsoft's doing it, Google, because it allows them to like push the limits of like what we didn't maybe like a user doesn't think of, you know, so they can come up with something new. So I think that's mm. cool. I'll tell you one thing I do hate though. Every other reel on Instagram that I see is how to make six figures using AI, how to make, how I made six figures yeah. in the last three years, every month for the last three years. No, you've been using AI for three days. You yes. haven't made six figures. It's just a whole bunch of like AI scammers yeah, that's true. <laughs> online. So, so be, be, be warned. They're not, they're not telling you <laughs> the truth. It's, they, they haven't been making six figures. I can bet you any money, some guy sitting in his lounge, with his hat on backwards, he's not made six figures on AI. So <laughs> that's the thing I hate. So, and I just yeah. hope young kids don't get duped by it, you know? So, that's fair. but it'd be very interesting to watch this space. And I think in future Argos, let's keep an eye on this and let's like mm-hmm. continue to kind of track sure. it and uh, see what happens, man. I think this can be really interesting. GitHub is a really yeah. good, good call, Raj. I think that's a very smart call. Yeah, that's all the code in the man. world. Yeah. I also I also had a take today on um, on Instagram, which yeah. was I said that there's there's three there's three things that people aren't thinking about. One is that AI is super dependent on what goes into it in terms of its oracle sources, which is where it gets its news from, which then opens up conversations about plagiarism, but also the way that it's prompted. So if you you know if you ever use Google before, sometimes you make a search and you, you hit the nail on the head. And sometimes you have to do four or five different searches because right. Google's only prepared to give you the quality of results based on your quality of your query. So querying or what they're calling prompting in the AI world is going to be the number one variable. Number two is the idea of having AI profiles. Like if I had a specific AI profile where today Vic and I did a couple of hours session on editing. And you know, Alex, since you joined our organization, you know that when you've got three cameras shooting an interview, you know, one on the host, one on the guest, and one wide that shoots both of them, the way you dance between those cameras makes a big difference because if you get it wrong, somebody will look at your video and whilst it might technically be correct, they won't like it and they won't know why they don't like it is because there's no soul in the edit. But if I could sit down and teach that soul verbally and through my edits to an AI or an AI could just be installed on my machine for the next 30 edits I do. And then I could put a price tag on that and that's my IP. And then somebody can just upload their footage and have an edit done in the style of Rajkatecha or in the style of D-Rock or in the style of Alex Hormozy, you know, fill in the blanks. Yeah. And you, you know, you, you totally want to pay for that. Like you 100% yes. would want to pay for that. And, and I think that if I did have more time on that Instagram clip, the one thing that I probably would have highlighted as well is that 2023 is not just going to be about AI period. It's going to be about thinking about your AI stack, which is what tool do you go to, to help you generate ideas? 
What tool do you go to to write your version one of your copy? What tool do you go to to take your version one from an eight out of 10 to a 10 out of 10? What tool do you go to then to generate the images that will then accompany that or the B-roll or the maps or the recipes or the artwork for the for the book? And so what's going to happen is, and this this has been happening for the 25 years that I've been following technology, is that individual actors will come up to build micro niche solutions and then there'll be a ton of capital that goes into the industry because there's so much activity. That capital will be deployed to the best and the brightest. Those best and the brightest A players will then start acquiring the B and C players. And then you're going to get conglomeration in AI. And we're talking about that's all going to happen within four to seven years. It's, you know, whoever the AI image company of the world is, is going to merge with the AI text company of the world. And you're basically going to be able to have like a 15 minute conversation with a, with an AI and it's going to write a book for you. And it's going to, it's going to feel like you wrote it. So yeah, super exciting times. But I thought we we're going to go short on that one, but it's, it is definitely a super interesting one. News wise, what else do we want to talk about? Three day weekend in Sharjah. We won't go too long on yes. this, but there was an article on college times saying that Sharjah who is, who did not go half pregnant when it came to this, like changing the days around thing here in the UAE at the beginning of 2022, just straight up and down, gave people Friday off. And it looks like that that has been a net positive for productivity. You just said, well, Vic, where, where, where were you, where were you trying to jump in? No, no, sorry. I was, I was just going to kind of give you like, just give some context around this, the story for anyone that doesn't know. So in 2022, January, we, we, in the, you know, UAE changed our work week. It was traditionally Sunday to Thursday and it changed to Monday to Friday. And the, the kind of stipulation around that was that Friday from midday, anyone that would go and do the kind of Friday prayers um, would have the half day. So all public sector, government sector, that was kind of mandated in private sector. It wasn't mandated, but it was highly encouraged. And I think most private companies, if not all, respect the the Friday kind of afternoon prayers and, and give, you know, the, the kind of those of the Islamic faith that time off where Sharjah, as you quite rightly said, you know, they went all the way and said, right, we're going to do the whole, the whole Friday. So that's, I just wanted to give some kind of context around it for anyone that might not know. And uh, I think it looks like based on, you know, what they're saying is that I read somewhere, I can't remember the stats, but pollution was down, car accidents were down, work-life balance was better, which is anecdotal, productivity in the companies were better. So they're thinking about rolling out across the whole of the UAE. But the interesting one was the, the kind of pollution and the car accidents or like the road, mm. road incidents were down because there's just less people driving. Like it's just fundamentally, you know, makes sense. But um, if that's if that's a result of that, then I'd take it all day long. Do you know what I mean? It's a good thing. Yeah, I mean, if you if you drive here on a Saturday or Sunday morning, at least until about one o'clock, even driving down in downtown, downtown Dubai here, it's like heaven. It's like being in Mario Kart. The roads are empty. There's not much in the way of like traffic lights. You can just you can just get around. So yeah, so so good job, Sharjah. Go check that story out. And there's several others as well. Maybe let's take some of these stories where we do talk about content, guys. Let's move them into content recommendations. So yeah. Let's get into a few. I will start off with the ones that were meant to be stories. But the White Men Can't Jump trailer, it's a reboot. 
It was an iconic film when Vic and I were younger. They've now got one with Jack Harlow. Kind of split the group chat a little bit. Some people were feeling it. Other people were not feeling it. They were like, I don't know if Jack Harlow's got the draw. So uh, let's let's speak to the person that would be closest able to emulate Jack. Is Jack Harlow a draw? <laughs> would you would you um, would you if, if Jack Harlow had a debut film coming out based on this? Okay, let, let's go. Let's go all the way to the nuts and bolts. Alex, have you ever heard of a film called White Man Can't Jump? Um, no, this I I I had never heard of it until I saw it in the group chat. Okay, would you go watch Jack movie debut on this? Um, good question, actually, because I, I watched the trailer, and um, I don't know. I found it weird seeing him in a movie trailer. I guess like acting, just because mm. he he just doesn't strike me as someone who would do that. But um, I think I think I would go see it, and I know that Andrew Schultz is also in it, which is that that's wow cool addition. Yeah, I, was no, he in I the trailer? I didn't. No, Are you sure? Hmm. Yeah, he's not in the trailer. I looked up the cast after, and Andrew Schultz is in it. Was it Kenya Barris doing that movie as well? Kenya. Kenya uh, Barris is doing this. Yeah, no, he does. He did You People, and he he's did. He did You People. Yeah, he's done White. Yeah, well, he's done. He, he's he's involved in Coming to America, the second one. He's involved in like Girls Trip, Blackish. I mean, he's involved in. A, but is he involved in this movie? Ton of really good stuff. Yeah, yeah, he's a writer. He's well, a writer, I think, Yeah, I think he's the writer of the movie. It's written by him. What, what, yeah. what, if, what, if, what if Kenya Barris and uh, and Andrew Schultz become like the Robert De Niro and Scorsese duo that, that worked together for like 40 years? That would be the, the internet's yeah. first. Yeah, that'd be quite... The internet's first like leading act, actor and uh, director combo. Yeah, I you know these reboots are really are really difficult, particularly this long afterwards with such an iconic movie with two actors who've gone on to become superstars and icons. It's really it's really difficult. I think people should judge people of our age group should judge this movie on its own merit, but it's impossible uh -huh. to do. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It's not mm -hmm. fair on the movie. I don't want to get into the weeds of it, but ultimately here's what I see. A boring performance to a boring trailer. There's no energy. The comedy was whack. Mm. The timing was really bad. Mm. Wesley Snipes and Woody Harrison are funny. You know, yeah. they are funny. And although yeah. Wesley Snipes isn't a comedian, He's got humor in him and he's got timing and he's just fundamentally got the right energy. And Woody Harrison yeah. is just funny generally. I mean, he came from Cheers. Yeah. And that was an in, that was a comedy institution. So he's got the comedy bones and the chops. This just doesn't have it to me. I mean, I, I don't want to judge it by comparing the two, but it's difficult not to, do you know what I mean? But hopefully yeah, Kenny yeah. Barris has done a good job, man. He's a great writer. So let's see, man. Hopefully he's done a good job on the writing. Well, I'm definitely going to check it out at some point. I mean, it won't be the first thing yeah. I'll check out, but if it, if it shows up on one of my streaming platforms, I'll do it. Next up, DJ Snake in India. I've only done a flick through, but it looks pretty exciting. So really? shout out to him. I know he lives in Dubai as well, but it's like a 12-minute kind of like, oh, I guess it's 10 minutes of material and then credits uh, of, of DJ Snake. So, yeah, good stuff. Has anybody seen that in full? I've not seen it in full, no. no. Is, is it on anyone's to-do list? Um, no. 
I don't think so particularly, but I'm not opposed to it either. I watch I watched like through maybe like a minute I'd say and I mean it's just a documentary style YouTube yeah. video to his um shows in India. My breakfast takes about ten minutes. I would probably consider just throwing it on the ledge. Yeah, then, it's only you know, if I miss, if I if I'm not looking at it and I miss a bit, I can just yeah. figure it out from the context of the accents and the fact that in the corner of my eyes I look at the laptop, I'll see them in a tuk-tuk waiting for a cow to cross the road or whatever Indian stereotypes <laughs> they're going to put in there. Okay, speaking of Indian stereotypes, we've got one some guy who's quite the opposite here. Uh, on the latest episode of Group Chat, one of our favorite podcasts on this podcast, Nimesh Patel, guy who's blown up across TikTok for his comedy, kind of no holds barred. Um, I first discovered him, I think I, was, I discovered him very, very early because I saw him in a picture with Chappelle when Chappelle was doing those... Yeah. Um, those special shows over 2020 when the rest of the world was locked down. So I saw this brown guy in there and I was like, okay, this is interesting. I think he might've been tagged up, started following him. But three, four months later, the whole world was like watching the clips, rightly so. And um, Nimesh's cousin listens to group chat, put him yeah. onto it, went and did an interview. Very interesting. Even right That's down good. to like talking about how he gets the algorithm to work for him. Yeah. Have you guys heard that episode yeah. yet? Yeah, I listened to it this morning. It's good. What do you think? Yeah, I had it. I, I thought I thought it was an interesting conversation between them, and um, yeah. yeah, I thought I I listened to it on the way to the gym this morning, and yeah, I thought it was just an interesting part of the podcast, a good conversation. Okay. Yeah, hey. I agree. In fact, it, it, yeah, I agree. In fact, it's funny because that was that was my content recommendation, Nimesh Patel on the group chat uh, podcast. Oh, because nice. Yeah, well, I'm the one that put it into our notes, but it's just funny because yeah. when, when we got oh, to man. the content recommendation, all three of us said the same one, Nimesh Patel on group chat, because I don't know why, it's just no other content. But I thought it was really good, man. And they've been talking about Nimesh for a while, getting him on, speaking to him, trying to schedule it, this, that, and the other. And I'm glad that they finally got him on. Yeah, what man. I would say is that it's not a really like in-depth interview in the sense that they don't get into the weeds of it. But what is really good is that it's a very 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 solid like introduction of Nimesh to their audience and a lot of their yeah. audience might not know who he is so I think that was really that was really good and I enjoyed it because that the little hack that he talked about on TikTok with the, like the little geotagging thing was very interesting yeah. but let me just I just want to give you one takeaway um before Wait, we do, you want, do you want to break that hack down though because we just you went pretty high level on it yeah. do you want to break sure. down the hack for us sorry yeah yeah of course I can so so um uh, D said to him that he likes how he puts the the dates and the locations of his coming upcoming tour dates or his upcoming dates on his TikTok videos. And um, what Nimesh said was, he goes that when he started to put um, those dates up and they're putting in the comments, the TikTok algorithm would recognize the word, the location, and then start geo-targeting that location with this content so if it was like houston it would find it would pick up the word houston and the algorithm would go oh, okay houston let's serve this to people in houston so that he then found that when he went into his links for like the tours and the people that are watching it and like looking at the like the geography of that there was a spike when he was mentioning the location which was really interesting he goes that really helped him with his like you know, selling tickets effectively for really? his tour dates. So a great hack for anyone that's on TikTok and I guess any social platform, but specifically TikTok because TikTok is so smart at that. Yeah. 
Um, yeah. But just back to the takeaway before we move on, do, did you want to say something about the hack? No, I was just going to say it, any any option that a social network gives you to put literal text onto their platform, you should more often take it because they're more often indexing it. Sorry, you were saying. Yeah. No, so there was one one takeaway that I took. I'm going to paraphrase a little bit, but um, D asked him. He goes, "Does most?" He goes, uh, "So D asked Nimesh on the, the podcast. Uh, he goes, oh, so most of your income comes from like touring and things like that.'" And so Nimesh Patel went into the, his kind of, you know, background a little bit and kind of how he makes his money or like kind of where he makes his where his money comes from. Because in the in the early days, it's like when you're when you're scrambling around as a stand-up comedian you're uh there's this like promise of an un like this there's this unknown that you're waiting for so you're kind of going right i'm gonna do this open mic here with the hope that maybe this joke will get a little bit better maybe i'll be able to punch it up a little bit here you know get the tagline better get the setup right here but then also there might be someone in the audience that tells a friend who then goes and tells a friend that might give you an opportunity to be on this showcase and so on and so forth. So he was like, you're out there just kind of putting your work out there, putting your comedy out there, not number one to get better, but also just to see what might happen. And there's this like huge unknown that you're waiting for. And it made me think about content. And we speak about content being like compound, compound kind of ROI where you're like, the more you put out, A, the better you get, and B, the more yeah. opportunities you'll get over a period of time when someone sees that clip from three months and goes, oh, you know, I need to speak to that person about this, or or they might it might get forwarded on, or, you know, the, the clip went viral about Beyonce. But it's this huge unknown. But he was like, that's what I'm working towards. I'm not working towards trying to get the income, but I'm working towards this, like, unknown result, and that will come over a period of time and I thought that was really that was a really interesting take no one's ever like in comedy and I listen to a lot of comedy interviews and people like comedians speaking they don't usually frame it like that and I thought that was really a really good takeaway yeah yeah I think anybody who's anybody who's quit the system quote-unquote like the salaried life and just gone at it alone will credit the same things that he credits which is that I went and did something reluctantly. Maybe I had a quiet night. Maybe I really didn't want to do it. But, you know, against my better judgment, I went to do something and it was part of a domino effect that led to something else. When he was talking about his journey from 2008 onwards, that's when things really kicked off for me, 2008, when when the last when that company in LA got sold. So I was like, hmm, yeah, it's true. You know, you end up saying yes to a lot of stuff. And what happens is you get immediate ROI on the things that are obvious, that are meant to work for you. But you need to get, collect about 70 results from things that kind of sort of, but kind of sort of didn't work for you. And collectively over time, they will form and they'll become a hit the same way that if you did something and it worked the next day would do. So yeah, very, very good, very good content recommendation. Royal Flush, all of us thought of it. Um, yeah. D.L. Hughley, as I mentioned, speaking about comics, definitely worth checking out. Uh, he's a, What's interesting about him is that he was on The Breakfast Club with Charlemagne the God and DJ Envy talking about the fact that as it stands at the moment, I think he's the host of The Daily Show. He's a temporary sit-in until it's time to bring in somebody who is, um, you know, a, what's considered the better fit for that audience. 
but yeah, nice goes by fairly quick. They speak they speak a lot as they should be doing right now, based on the terrible uh, goings on in America with with the death of uh, the Tyree uh, that's just been killed by uh, what, Tyree's last name is what? Sorry, I don't want to be disrespectful uh, because he's died. So I feel yeah, like yeah, I should no, yeah, say, no, I'm not sure. say his last name as well. Uh, Tyree, uh, police brutality. Did, uh, How, what, Ty- what a Ty- horrible Nichols. world we live in. Tyree Nichols. Tyree Nichols. Yeah. Mm. Man, what just the fact that I had to even just Google that is just the fact that that's even happened is just awful. Anyway, Tyree Nichols, unfortunately, rest in peace. And uh, you know he was he was killed by a bunch of cops, uh, murdered, and you know now it's uh, that's a big conversation. So it's it's nice to see DL Hughley talking about this because he goes he said something crazy. He goes, um, "I've been alive for." 61 years and this i've been seeing this story for 58 of them he see he wow. just he just came out with these crazy bars he's so he's so good so um so worth checking out uh, of course dl hugley one of the biggest comics out there all right next up music wise i don't think either have you either of you listened to the little yachty album let's start here nope i have nope. not listen, listen to it just because it's musical if you it just listen to it, it, just it, it's musical. Is it is it a good album? Like you'd like properly recommend it for people to listen to? Yeah, yeah, I would. That's yeah. not very. That's that's not convincing at all. The, you've got to understand <laughs> why you're listening to it, which is that it's a hard pivot. So, Questlove described it best. He said, "I love albums that do this. I love albums that he's got a term yeah. for it, and I'd need to go back to find it." He goes, "But basically." where it's not experimental but he's basically like just going to a completely different direction mm-hmm. and so i would say yeah definitely yeah. listen to it the reason why i'm reluctant is i just don't want anybody to go in there expecting a normal little yachty album it's yeah, musical fair. it's experimental it's progressive i love it but you just got to make sure that you're going in to love it for you're going in to love the album not for the same reasons that you love the artist other than the fact that the artist is clearly a bit quirky and uh, diverse in their way of thinking so that's it. And then my final content recommendation is the new Algo Instagram. It is algo.pod, algo.pod. Go check it out. There'll be lots of these kind of clips on here. Uh, Alex will probably never tag himself in anything because he just doesn't want to break that whole drone thing. But um, but me and Vic will be tagging ourselves in certain posts as well. And then we'll be able to put out more exclusive content on those platforms because I just, quite frankly, can't put it all on mine considering how much stuff I've got going on on the content and education side yeah. it will just become, it'll turn my Instagram into a, into what it was two years ago when Vic was like, this is terrible. Okay, so that's that. Uh, <laughs> I have outs. one more content recommendation. Same. Go ahead. I have one more content recommendation. Just a real quick Are they written one. in the content within recommendation actually... section? No, 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 no. I just I, I just thought of it now. We didn't speak okay. about it when we were speaking about the Grammys, mm-hmm. but the, yeah. uh, the, the, the hip-hop, the 50 years of hip-hop performance on the Grammys, if yeah, we, we touched on it a little version bit. of that, a L- little yeah. bit. But we didn't really go into any detail. We don't need to now, but yeah, just go and check it out, man. It's just, you know, it's just a, just a good performance. There's 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 some highlights and a few lowlights, but overall, that the average is quite high. Right. Um, so yeah, just go and check that out. That's it. Nice. Okay, I'm cool. hoping at some point someone drops a really good quality version of it. Alex, you got a content recommendation? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Um, I finished watching The Last Dance, the Michael Jordan documentary. I'd never watched it. it. Came out a while ago. 
but I, I like I just want to throw it out there that if you haven't watched it yet, it's a very good documentary to watch, and I think it's also a perfect moment because LeBron James beat the all-time scoring point record. So you know, go go debate. Wait, so so I saw this. Everyone was going mad for LeBron. Jay Z was over there at the match yeah. or whatever it's called. Um, Everybody, can you just break down the LeBron story for me, please? So he just so previously the record holder for all-time points in the NBA was Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who had thirty-eight thousand three hundred something. And then LeBron James last night broke that record by hitting, I think, 36 points in the game and now has 38,390 points. So he he, he 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 became the all-time scoring, be, beating the all-time scoring record in the NBA, which is like huge achievement. Like it's massive, but yeah. So mo- most, point, most points in his life. Yeah, in well, the, in, in, the the life NBA, of, yeah. in one career. Yeah. Okay. Because yeah. that record was nice. set 39 years ago, so it's been a long yeah. time. Super long time ago. And I don't nice. think it I've will be got... broken anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's going to be like the Beyonce thing, right? The, the barrier to entry or the, the, mm. the gap is getting just too crazy. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. Okay, guys, I've got one more content recommendation before we get out of here. Just found it on my phone. And it is uh, Alex turning into a dog. Did anyone see that? <laughs> no, Just it about, put, put it back in. It <laughs> Alex side by side. There he is <laughs> from where he is right now. So good. So highly Why? recommended. Hold on. Alex, 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 do you know, do you no, know, do you know what? Gets, this podcast gets copyrighted now. <laughs> do you know what that video is? No, I do not. It's a Snoop Dogg music video, I assume. But yeah, his first it. solo video. His first oh, okay. first solo record, What's My Name, yeah, or Who Because I? I saw Snoop Dogg, but I had no idea what song it was or anything. Yeah, how great that Snoop Dogg just... That's how great that Snoop Dogg hasn't aged and how great that he's just still alive. So, right? so good. To, you know, great, like, great it'd be amazing if, like, you know, to, what's it called? Uh, Big Pun died 23 years ago this week. Um, yes, yeah. And people are like, oh, what if, what if, what if? But like, we spend a lot of time asking the question, what if this rapper had still been alive? And not, we don't spend enough time looking at the people that were shoulder to shoulder with those rappers that were greats at the time. They were on the level of those rappers and they're still here. So, um, yeah. and there's, there's, so, there's so many of them. Yeah. And, you know, not, not least Jay-Z. Um, he is one of the people that you look at and think, ah, oh, how many of these people that died, could they have made it that far? Um, Okay, and then finally, a couple of shout outs. I'd like to give a massive shout out to Nimi Meta. It's her birthday this week. I'm very happy to see that she took a little bit of time off. Uh, congratulations. She's one of the people that did the four P's of content in 2019, and she absolutely smashed it. Uh, she always had a plan. She was totally able to produce her own content. She was obviously able to publish it, and she was definitely able to promote it. So she brought that skill set into the program. Uh, traded up into national radio, which she then traded up into speaking and engagement, making content off the back of that, to then being an official host of Expo TV, to now Dubai One. Is that what it's called, Vic? One. Dubai One? Dubai yeah, we One, we saw yeah. that the other day. Yeah, it was so nice as well. 
that she actually had Spencer on there as well, who's another one of our former clients yeah. and 4P's, 4P's alumni. And they were both on TV talking about podcasts and both of them started their podcasts in our agency. So, so a real beautiful That's moment. Cool. But that aside, Nimi's a, Nimi's a ultra talent. And um, I, I always say like, I always, I always knew that she was dope. But then if you ever see her in a photo shoot, that's when she absolutely smashes it. I mean, she does, she does moderating well. She does all that other stuff super well, but, but seeing her actually like execute her vision when it comes to a photo shoots for me, that was a thing where I was like, okay, we're dealing with a natural. So big up to her. Uh, wish her more success now on this TV journey as well. Uh, any other birthdays? Not, not for me. Um, just, yeah. Just happy birthday. Yeah, Nimi. That's it. Uh, go on. Well, I was go on, Alex. Down, yeah. Paula's birthday. Um, my stepmom's birthday. That was, one, that was the one. That was the one. That was the one. That was the one. Of course. Yes. Yeah. That was the one I was, gonna, yes. her, yeah, that was, was trying to remember. Big up to Paula. Yeah. Yeah. Let's talk loyalty. Is 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 her podcast? Alex's mm-hmm. stepmom. She's she's out here putting in major work. I got to spend a bit of time yeah, with her two yeah. weeks ago uh, on on mm, the yacht. Nice. I think we spoke about that. And uh, yeah. yeah, just just good vibes, man. Just a hard worker who just puts who puts yeah. Puts she really real, is. No. Real puts yeah. a lot of blood, sweat, and tears into his content game. So yeah, yeah. Mad respect and happy birthday to her. And then your old man's is coming up soon too, right, Alex? Yeah, my mom on March fourth, and then my dad on March sixth. Wow, yeah. that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, wait, Vic, you're March fourth as well, right? I am. Yeah, that's yeah. crazy. I never thought about it, but you and Sex Doll Nick have the same birthday. <laughs> And your mom. And your mom. And my and mom. Your mom. Yeah, all March 4th. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you already knew my mom did, but I'm saying Sex with All Nick also does. Ah, wow. nice. I and Shaking Stevens. Right? Sorry? Yeah, that's... And Shaking Stevens. <laughs> I don't know. I don't, you won't know who that is. No, that's a singer from I, I assume a very it's a long time one. ago. No, no, no. It's a singer yeah, she... from a really long time ago. Shaking Stevens was like the the... The Troitrum's version of Elvis. <laughs> That's good. I get it. I I have it in my mind now. <laughs> okay. So, funny. all right. Okay. So good. So we got that covered. Um. All right. So big up to everybody whose birthday is this week. Uh. That's it. I think we got it all done. Nice, reasonably short episode. Once we, I think we're probably coming about an hour and ten. I'll take it, and uh, we will see you next week. If you enjoyed the show, make sure you give us a five star rating and review. But more importantly, share it with people. That's what means a lot to us. And uh, and if you see us out and about, which you will, not for, you won't see me out and about for a week and a half because I'm going to Amsterdam. But if you see so, if you see anybody from the show out and about and you want to show love, then uh, make sure you do. All right, guys, we're out. Peace. <laughs>